from Your Life Choices website and e-newsletters. This is Mind Your Own Retirement and you're very welcome. Today we're talking money with John Cowling, who's the CEO of Australian Shareholders Association. As you know, there's two types of money, smart money and dumb money. And dumb money just follows the market out when it's at the bottom and follows the market in when it's at the top. We're talking to a fascinating lady by the name of Renee Brack, who has a personal story about her father who suffered from dementia. I was so brokenhearted and grief-stricken when I realised after Dad had died was that it wasn't dementia that destroyed my relationship with him. It was my own fear and discrimination around the disease. Also, we're talking to Kate Schilling from the Ultimate Winery Experiences Tour Australia, so that's going to be lots of fun in travel. Nine of our wineries had come together because they were keen to create a deeper connection with their customers and they knew what they had to do and what they could offer both on-site and in regions by collaborating. Hello, Kay Fallick, the publisher of Your Life Choices. Howdy, John. Well, it's time to talk money first up. Well, we felt we needed a dose of common sense, so we're very lucky to have John on the phone. And John, the first question, of course, is what are the main things pre-retirees need to think about when they create a share portfolio? Well, Kay, the, um, the sensible thing, of course, is to follow the old rule of thumb, and that is you split your assets into two. You've got growth assets like shares and you've got defensive assets like term deposits. And the rule of thumb is that your age, so if you're 70, you should have 70% in defensive assets. If you're 80, you should have 80%. And you always need a few growth assets because we're all living a bit longer, but predominantly you need them in defensive assets because if something happens like happened over the last month and the stock market crashes by 30 odd percent, you don't want your wealth to be reduced by 30%. So you might not earn as much on term deposits as you can sometimes in the share market, but your term deposits are guaranteed by the government so you know you're going to get your money back. So there's some form of security resident in that asset. Yes, and so that's this, the, the term is called asset allocation. And for young people, somebody who's 30, they can afford to have 70% of their assets in growth assets, you know, like tech stocks and Apple stocks and stuff like that. Whereas an older person, if, if there's a crash, you lose your money. Where the young guy, somebody in their 30s, is probably going to be working for another 40 or 50 years so there's plenty of time to recover if the stock market does crash. John Cowling is the uh, CEO of Australian Shareholders Association. John, I can recall back in 87, I guess I was uh, in my 30s or something, and uh, that terrible crash at the time, and I told my stockbroker, sell everything, and I got you know pennies in the dollar, uh, where in fact I should not have panicked. Absolutely. And in fact, one of the, one of the issues that, that we face is that as older folks, and I'm in my 70s, as older folks, we've got to protect our wealth. So we need, as I said, to have more money in defensive assets. And our grandchildren, they've got to be thinking about growth assets. And so a stock market correction, just like we've had, is a great great time to think about buying some shares. 
Yes, it's an opportunity within the crisis. So if you had, say, $50,000 to invest in stocks, not asking you to name specific companies, but what kind of stocks would you be looking at? There's two answers to this question. The first question is if you've got $50,000, you don't want to put it all in the market tomorrow because the market's only gone down 30%. It's a little bit of a bounce this morning. But in the GFC, it went down 50%. And no one rings a bell, John, when it's at the bottom, do they? <laughs> no, they certainly don't. They should. So, <laughs> yeah, quite right. The um, What's the best thing to do is to take your time and invest your 50000 possibly once a month, invest 20%. If I had $50,000 spare to invest, I'd think about buying $10,000 worth of stocks today and then wait a month. And if it gets worse, that's all right. I can buy even cheaper the next $10,000 worth. If it's going up, well, that's fine too. So I would take five or six months to invest the money. I wouldn't plonk it all in the market straight away. That's really uh, helpful. That's the first bit of the answer. The second bit, I told you there was two bits. The second bit is, I think in this day and age, even for young people, but especially for us older folks, we want dividends. So you want to invest in companies that have got strong dividend records. And, and there's plenty, the banks and CSL and BHP, all these major, major companies, they're unlikely to go broke. And they can weather the, the, the current storm. Correct. Correct. And the, and the guys, the little penny dreadfuls, and the small tech companies or biotech companies that have borrowed money, I wouldn't touch those at the present time because who knows where that's going. So are you favouring, for retirees, are you favouring dividends over capital growth? There is no capital growth. They've just seen, if anybody's got shares in your listeners, they would have seen 30% fall in the value. But that will come back. There will be capital growth. It will growth. come back over time. And, and one thing that one should never do is panic. As you know, there's two types of money, smart money and dumb money. And dumb money just follows the market out when it's at the bottom and follows the market in when it's at the top. And I'm sure your listeners don't want to be part of the dumb money. They've got to be part of the smart money. So what's the smart money doing? Well, the richest man in the world, Warren Buffett, he hasn't been spending his money. He's been saving his money over the last couple of years and he's sitting on a billions and billions of dollars waiting for what just happened. So he can go in there when the market's down and buy stocks at half the price they used to be. Well, like Kerry Packer used to say, you know, buy low, sell high. Exactly, and don't lose money. So, John, we're putting links on our website to Australian shareholders. Um, we'll encourage our listeners to have a look at what you've got on a show. And, John, before you go, one sentence as CEO of Australian Shareholders Association, what's the one bit of sage advice that John Cowling would like to impart? Well, we'd like to help members become better investors. And one of the best ways to become a better investor is to come and talk to our members at our regular meetings and learn from their experience. John, thank you so much for giving up your time today. We do appreciate your sage advice. Thank you very much. Next, we're 
Talking Health with Renee Brack. Hello there, I'd like to talk to you about Your Life Choices Pension Checker. Now, Pension Checker is an easy-to-use financial tool that allows you to calculate exactly how much you should be receiving in fortnightly pensions and supplements. And it's very well-priced at just $29.95 per year. To learn more, go to pensionchecker.com.au and make today the day you take control of your income with your life choices, Pension Checker. Mind your own retirement with uh, Kay Fallick and me, John Deeks, and we're going to talk health. And Renee Brack is on the line. Tell me who Renee is, please, Kay. Well, my friends at Apia Insurance who support a company called Five Good Friends, and you may remember... We've got to get them in again. He was, with, who was that guy we spoke Simon, to? Simon. Simon Lockyer. What a he was. Lovely, lovely organisation helping people with care at home. Let me know about what Renee was doing. Now, this is a bit of a secret from you, John. So I think what we need to start with is Renee is undergoing a personal journey, Uh which is called Tickety Boo. Right, Tickety Boo. Tickety Boo. Well, look, she's on the line right now. Renee, hello. Hello there. How are you? Well, I'm very well and Kay's very well. And tell us about Tickety Boo and why we're speaking to you. Tickety Boo, A Secret in Plain Sight is an artistic feature documentary that I am very motivated and passionate about and it explores the deeply personal struggle of staying connected to someone we love who has dementia. And so my dad was a realist artist who um, his work and well became surreal as a result of dementia and uh, I didn't relate to him very well. I didn't understand it and so now my research has really exposed me to the wonderful, joyful ways we can stay meaningfully connected to people we love with dementia. And so I'm creating a documentary around it. And we're currently fundraising via the documentaryaustralia.com uh, funding platform. Why the name Tiggity Boo? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, my dad was diagnosed in 2006 and he died in 2011. But then I was able to long lens back and see when it kind of began, which was back in 1993, where some of the signs were. That's why it's got the subheading of a secret in plain sight. But Tickety Boo was something he began to say and repeat to say that he was A-OK, which is an old UK World War Two Air Force term. And so um, when he started doing that a lot, I didn't know it at the time, but it was kind of a a disguise because he wasn't tickety-boo and he kept it a secret from us and even from himself I think for several years which is a shame because we could have had a richer relationship if we had have known sooner. I think that's a common problem Renee that a lot of us see the signs and sometimes you're in denial or sometimes you don't read the signs. So so gradual. Yeah, but it's it's a big step to go from being a, a caring daughter to actually making a documentary. So you you have background in documentary making? I've been uh, a journalist and worked in television for, um, dare I say it, around 30 years. And so, um, yes, I've made a lot of uh, 
I've done news and I've made a lot of material over the years that is um, short documentary as well as um, segments for television and written a lot of pieces as well and had a book published. But this is my life's work. This is the biggest thing I've done because I was so brokenhearted and grief-stricken um, when I realised after Dad had died and my research um, took me in wonderful directions all over the world, was that it wasn't dementia that destroyed my relationship with him. It was my own fear and discrimination around the disease. And we spend so much money on, on these campaigns to reduce fear and dementia. So, Explain that deeper, Renee. Why, why, why did it affect you that way? Why, why did you react that way? Because I didn't relate to him in the nursing home. I would sit there and not know what to say and not know what to do. And uh, I just let the relationship degrade. So in the documentary, I'll be like the poster child of how to do dementia badly because I think a lot of people out there don't know what to do when it first hits them. And it's hard to admit because there's so much guilt and shame around it. I think that's very brave of you because I've been through a similar situation. And uh, sadly, with aged care and dementia, you don't know what you don't know until you need to know it super urgently yeah. and um, there isn't always good information. So I assume your documentary will be um, really trying to teach people about what they can do. Is that correct? Yes. Well, instead of being just another medical documentary that you know says dementia is really bad, we already know that and we know the difficulty of um, trying to find a cure. So I've decided, like, we really need something out there, a beautiful film that deals with dementia in a joyful and a meaningful way. And I've found all these incredibly compassionately designed engagement devices that I want to explore um, on film as well. And innovative... Such as? Well, The Hug. That's quite... It's quite a long story. I don't know if I have the time to tell you. The Hug is a device that um, has been tested over in Wales, Cardiff, and they've got one now in Australia that I want to shoot. And they put it on um, on a lovely woman who was in end-of-life care with about two weeks to live. And it has a face, a heartbeat, a body temperature. And it, when you're sitting down, it puts its arms around you and it hugs you. And she came out of end-of-life care. And uh, the researchers who created this $4,000 prototype didn't have the heart to take it from her because she went on to live a better quality of life for another six months. Wow. That's a big story. That's a, that's a story in itself. I know. And that's why, especially with COVID-19 um, happening now, like to find other ways to do the three H's, as I call them, you know, to hug, hold hands and hope, it's become even more relevant. And we have um, innovative home care. I mean, there's also too, like people that aren't necessarily in nursing homes, uh, five Good Friends is something and a smartphone app that I'm exploring that allows people to tailor who come to visit them and what their needs are in terms of housework or gardening or even just plain companionship. And so the whole documentary is going to have this wonderful inclusivity as a main theme because we can't be scared of dementia when it's just the trillion-dollar disease we need to deal with. So my takeout, Renee, is we're all in this together and you're going to help us learn together. We've got a link to your fundraising on the website and, of course, to APO Five Good Friends because I know you're working well with them 
And um, John and I are hoping we get tickets to the opening night. Oh, we'll be there. I just threw that out there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so pleased you did, Kate. And John, I'd be delighted to have you along. And I I can't thank you enough for giving me a little bit of time today. Oh, wow. Our our great pleasure, Renee, and good luck with that. And as I say, the links to uh, the documentary um, is going to be up on uh, the Your Life Choices website, of course. Indeed. We will encourage donations. Thank you, Renee, and good luck with your journey. Thanks so much. From Your Life Choices website and e-newsletter, it's Mind Your Own Retirement. Kay Felix, the publisher, and if there's two things Kay Felix <laughs> likes to do, two things, what do you think they might be? Talk, travel. Talk to John Dix, Travel. And, talk and to wine. Kate <laughs> travel and wine. And I said, uh, oh, who's this lovely Kate Schilling we're going to talk about? Is this all about uh, a booze trial? She said... No, it's not. She got all <laughs> huffy, put her hands on her hips and said, this is about a curation of wine and went on, oh, I don't know what you're doing. Um, so, Kay, I'm going to leave this to you and uh, say hello, Kate. Hello there. How are you, John? Well, thank you. Kate, he's Excellent. just bombed our interview, so I will, uh, I will now wind the whole thing back <laughs> steadily and carefully and say um, you're someone whose energy and enthusiasm I admire so much and having had a chat with you in the past week, it reminded me about the ultimate winery experience. So this is something that is available around Australia for people touring Australia. That's right. And let's start with what is an ultimate winery? Oh, well, an ultimate winery experience is is so many different things. But firstly, thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. Um, As you say, I've got a lot of energy and enthusiasm for the experiences that are in our portfolio. And I guess to to set the scene, uh, an ultimate winery experience can... These are experiences that have been created to appeal to people who are interested in exploring beyond the cellar door. Um, A pay tasting is fabulous. Dropping into a winery is great. But we've now been able to to bring uh, a series of bookable tourism products that really invite people who are interested to experience the Australian way with wine. And that means being able to meet the people behind the scenes learn a bit more about the wineries, you meet the, whether it's the owners, the winemakers, um, and enjoy really the rich diversity that our wine regions have to offer. Kate, uh, if nothing else, the wine, the winemakers, the, the owners of the vineyards, they are so passionate and will talk to you ad nauseum about their product because it is such a passion for them, isn't it? It is. But what we find is the people that come who are, who are booking our experiences that they're walking towards us, I guess, because they're also really interested in wine. And whether that, you know, the, the term we use for our target market is high-value travellers, but that covers, yes, it covers crazy wine people. And as you say, our winemakers can definitely dial up the crazy to answer any <laughs> particular question on what they're doing. But we find that, by and large, the bulk of the people that book our experiences are, are real they're experienced speakers, meaning that they love great food and wine, but they love it even more if the wine's being poured by that winemaker who produced it. If they're eating food that's growing in the kitchen garden, which is just over there, because by the very nature of our wineries, they're all located in, in country Australia, and that local 
terroir, the local provenance of all the food and, and how they do what they do and grow what they grow. That really goes hand in hand. Well, my experience when I've been lucky enough to visit uh, wineries and, and get to meet the winemaker um, is that they are normally incredibly well connected locally with the guy who is farming pigs, so beautiful pork and the cheese maker and so on. So I think you're tapping us into the local food and wine network here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's really how we came about. We have been around for seven years and seven years ago, two things happened. One is that nine of our wineries uh, had come together because they were keen to create a deeper connection with their customers and they knew what they had to do and what they could offer both on-site and in regions by collaborating. So they were really keen to get involved in developing these experiences. And at the same time, Tourism Australia had been doing their research and they understood that um, food and wine was part of the decision-making process and where people were going on holidays. So So it's not just me. (laughs) No, it's not just you. You are part of a much wider group. And so whether people were thinking, oh, will I go to Argentina, Italy or Australia or if they're in Sydney, where will I go? Will I go to the Gold Coast? Will I go to North Queensland or will I go to South Australia? That food and wine was sort of part of that proposition, um, but Tourism Australia did a really good job on creating, I guess, the inspiration and telling people you'll be really surprised and delighted by the food and wine that you'll taste in in regional Australia. But then what happened was people were inspired, but they then were like, well, where am I going to go and what am I going to book and what's the best for me? So that's when our nine wineries came together with Tourism Australia to create the ultimate winery experiences. And we now, seven years on, we have 25 wineries across 15 wine regions across the country. And they're all handpicked to show the diversity. And I guess what I think is really special is the innovative approaches to winemaking here um, and the willingness to work together. So, yeah, we're in, um, we have a really interesting range of experiences. Well, I think also what you're highlighting sometimes is architecture. So I think you've got a, a couple of sort of quirky designs there. But uh, beneath it all surely is the story, the story of yeah, the people. absolutely. It's the story. Oh, sorry, my dog is barking. She loves winery experiences as well. So, yeah, there's lots. I guess the story is really what people are interested in, being able to, understand, I guess, the heritage, um, what, what's gone into not just making this particular wine that they're drinking, but the previous vintages, how the vineyards all came together um, and how they're working, and particularly with the different, I guess, special subjects. And I guess Darenberg's The Cube is the classic example where they, um, you know, they've invested in creating a cellar door with a different Yes, the wine is amazing. Yes, they're a first family of wine and have been around for four or five generations. But now they have this amazing uh, cellar door in, in McLaren Vale that's winning awards left, right and centre. So there's lots of different aspects to an ultimate winery does, does, does Kate Schilling have a favourite? Go on. I know it's like choosing a favourite child. Go on. Go on. I um, I can oh, – I've just had a week in South Australia and before that I've, I've, I should preempt this in saying I've got the best job in, in – the world um <laughs> and before that i had a week in north in Victor- country victoria but um 
Well, I mean, you go to you go to the Clare Valley. You've got some beautiful wines that are, are very good to that region. You go to other areas. You go Mornington Peninsula. That's right. And I guess for me, I'm a I'm a travel and tourism person. Not a, I've been drinking wine for a long time, but every time I go to one of our wineries, I learn something new about what's gone into creating this beautiful product. Mm. And um, and also, you just meeting the the characters. And as you said at the beginning, though, they're pretty passionate about it. Um, so there's too much to do, but we'll put the appropriate links on the website. So we've been talking to Kate from ultimatewineryexperiences.com.au. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. All the best. Have a good day. Kate Schilling, who's the Ultimate Winery Experience guru, and you can go to ultimateexperience.com.experiences.com.au. Check out our website at Your Life Choices. Lots of information there. Do you have a favourite, Katie Fallick? I like Pizzini up in the King Pizzini. Valley. Pizzini because it's I was given some Pizzini wine family. from the uh, Sandringham Hospital. I did a talk and they gave me some Pizzini wine. Well, it's a family winery and it... It's the tobacco farmers uh, stopped growing tobacco, of course, because sure. the industry yeah, contracted. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them planted the light Italian varietals. Wow. And, and Pizzini is a very family affair. That's I love it. it. Pizzini wines, absolutely superb. Well, we've had a fascinating show. We've talked money with John Cowling, the CEO of Australian Shareholders Association. What a wonderful talk with Renee as well. I know. It was very heartfelt and I think we can all all learn a lot from that documentary. And I'm going to take that winery tour. I think that sounds very mm. good. The ultimate winery experience, learning more from the actual growers and the owners yeah, of the meeting estates. Meeting the real people. Yeah. Thank you, Kate Schilling, for telling us about that. And we'll see you next time, won't we, Kay? I can't wait. Kay Fallick is the publisher of Your Life Choices website. This is Mind Your Own Retirement. We'll be back next time, but please, folks, do get your friends on to Your Life Choices .com.au. It's absolutely free to become a member. So much information. It's all there for you. And we'll see you next time on Mind Your Own Retirement. And a reminder that Your Life Choices does not hold an Australian financial services licence and all content and discussion is of a general nature only.